People of the world, hello and welcome to the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, where our purpose is a simple one. Tune into our weekly podcast each Friday, wherever you listen to your favorite programs or on this website to hear us, three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice as the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. To reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions, we're at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name, and if you care to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Also, stay tuned for details about our upcoming news and perspective show on Millennium TV's M24 streaming news station. Hey, and it's us here again at the Brothers Talk, ready to jump into another fertile discussion around the issues that surround our community. And we are going to have a full-blown conversation around the subject of reparations that's very topical now from Wall Street down to the street. So we'll jump right into that. But first, once again, here's Scott and Norm. Hey, family. Thanks for your continued support. I hope you enjoyed our last couple of podcasts. They were pretty informative. And I hope you are being safe and cautious out there with this pandemic on the rise. I like to say the same. I like to thank everybody for the support. And I simply like to say, you know, support the black businesses. They need a lot of help right now. And a lot of businesses getting off the ground are going to come out and open up when this pandemic's over. So look for them as well. So don't forget the relaunching Black Wall Street Nationwide initiative because we're continuing to focus on the fact that, as Norm said, these businesses are in dire straits because a lot of them did not get any of the stimulus money and they were already struggling before that. So we need to double down and triple down on our effort to support our black businesses. As we said, we don't have any to spare. So jumping out this week to talk about reparations, because as I said, it is very topical that we've seen corporations from Bank of America to Apple to Google to Citibank start to throw large sums of money into the struggle and start to acknowledge that they have been a part of the problem. Lloyd's of London actually has created a fund, a reparations amount, because they used to insure slave ships. And so as we've been looking at this topic, I'm ready actually to double down because there's some information here that I owe a lot to uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones of the New York Times for her article, What is Owed? And there's statistics out there which are staggering, but the conclusion really is even more eye-opening. It starts by saying that we know the Black families earning 75000 or more a year live in poorer neighborhoods than white Americans earning less than $40,000 a year. And that even for those individuals who earn $100,000 or more in, as Blacks, their annual average income in the neighborhoods they live in is 54000 And so there were, you know, we were living in a, a country where the fact that there was some 250 years of free labor, that after the Emancipation Proclamation, some 6,500 Black people were lynched from the end of the Civil War to 1950, an average of nearly two a week for those nine decades. And we're still living in a time where nearly five Black people on the average have been killed by law enforcement since 2015. So that's actually on the rise because in from 2006 through 2014, it was two a week. And so now it's up to five. And so certainly the George Floyd situation and the Breonna Taylor and the Ahmaud Aubrey's are just more symptomatic of the problem. 
but there's other pieces of information that we want to be making sure that we pull your attention to as well that says that there's a misperception of racial economic inequality that most Americans believe that black households actually make about $90 in wealth for every $100 held by white households when the actual amount is $10. And so there are plenty of statistics that continue to show that blacks with college educations actually earn less money than white high school students dropouts. And so the conclusion that really you get, because there are lots and lots of statistics, but the conclusion that really brings this point home is that through all the studies, they continue to show that the cause of the, the gap has nothing to do with education, has nothing to do with the amount of money that comes into Black households, and it doesn't even have to do with whether or not there are two parents in the household. But what it really has to do with is that for over 400 years, we've lived in a system where the government has continued to subsidize white families to the detriment of Black people that things like the GI Bill and the Social Security bills that all went to helping to create the white middle class were systematically denied to us. And so, in my opinion, the real focus of reparations ought to be that the government owes us because what they did to stop the desegregation or the, and to stop the, the widespread discrimination never was intended to remedy the fact that the government itself was complicit in enforcing a lot of the problems that we have today. I agree with pretty much what Rod just said. In terms of reparations, I, you know, I think that we all know that reparations are, are well overdue. It's time to do something. I'm glad that there are some companies, Corporate America, who are talking about ways to, to fund a reparation program. My concern about reparation is that what does it mean to the individual black person to get reparations? When you talk about reparation, normally you're talking about, you're thinking about the 40 acres and the mule. But today we're talking about a dollar amount, which no one can really agree upon what that dollar amount should be. My real concern is that if there is a program put in place, like Rod said, like Laws of Belanda, if they're putting some seed money there, I'm concerned that the money is not going to get to the folks who need it the most, that you're going to have these these so-called black leaders. Somehow, they're going to be the ones siphoning off money, just like what happened in the CARES Act, where you got a lot of small businesses didn't get a chance to get any money. The money went, we don't even know what happened to the money. Money went to a lot of 45's friends and a lot of his supporters. And my fear is that something similar is going to happen because of black folks, the leadership that we have right now, supposedly, that we have right now. They're trying to also usurp what's happening with the young folks out here who are protesting, who are making changes in the way that the police department police our communities. I'm concerned that those folks, the people who are trying to, to take the effort that these young folks are putting forth out there, that they're going to get control of whatever funds that's going to be made available. And it's not going to get to the people who, who need it the most. I definitely agree with that assessment, Scott. But what I wanted to do was add on to what Rod was saying. Beyond those things that they've done to disenfranchise us, I also want to add on the war on drugs. I also want to add on the crime bill. I want to also add on the prison for profit and things they have done to disfranchise us and to destroy our communities. Those things should also be included for reparations. Yeah. This is systematic racism 
that the government created to directly go after our communities and our people. So this is included. And, and to just reference what you were saying, Scott, I definitely want a check. I want a dollar amount. Yeah. And I want some kind of things put in place so we can educate our people. We can actually do something with housing and we can actually address the social issues that we have because of the disenfranchisement that we have been put through by this government. To both your points, I think the first thing for me is that those same young people should be a part of the process of helping to determine what is being done. So I'm, I'm not as concerned about what the old line leadership is because I don't want to put the cart before the horse. I would rather get the money in place and then figure out what to do with it. We can't even get to that place where we can get the money. And so I think we have to put our flag in the sand and make sure we get the money because reparations is bigger. And I think it needs to not only address the dollar amount, but I think it has to address all of the culpability of the government that has continued to undermine our communities. It has to go back and do everything from look at healthcare outcomes. So, you know, so there should be money put in there to make sure that when you, because to me, it's pretty simple. It's like one study that I saw said, basically, if you could trace back your ancestry to slave deals, then you should be entitled to reparations because your ancestors put in free labor that they never were able, him or their descendants, to benefit from. I think things like there should be low or no interest loans for home ownership for those individuals. I think if those individuals want to rent, then their rent should be written off on their taxes while they are, are, are in that process. I think there should certainly be monetary amounts as well. But to me, the whole process of the fact that John Conyers died before he was able to even see a bill that he put out there for 30 years to just have reparations studied never got out of committee. And yet during the same time, they've been paying $5 million a year for the Holocaust survivors who are here. And that had nothing to do with anything that happened on this continent. And so I just feel like this is a unique time in history where you have the corporations starting to speak with their dollars. And I think we need to make sure that we take full advantage of it. Right, you, you brought up a good point about how the Holocaust survivors are being paid and that happened in Europe. And I think that people need to start making that comparison, although it's taboo to say anything, and it's not even negative to bring that up, but if you say anything about Jewish folks, they try to shut you down. But the fact that we make that comparison to say, why are Jewish folks who were impacted by the Holocaust being paid by this government, and yet we can't get anything moving on reparations, just like they, they gave money to, uh, to the Japanese who were in, in the camps. You know, the thing that, that I think that we should focus on is trying to figure out how do we get people at the table? How do our voices get heard? Because you all, you both brought up some good ideas about some things that need to be addressed. And the policies, to me, are going to be the ones that, that have the most impact on the future of Black folks. These policies, these red lines policies, these housing policies, the health care policies, all these policies that that impact black folks in a negative way, that's institutionalized racism. There are things that they can do. I was having this conversation with one of my coworkers 
and I was telling them that I had done some research about the Small Business Set-Aside Program. And initially, that program was set was put in place for Black Americans and, Amer- and American Indian, Native American Indians. And somebody in Congress was like, well, you know, if we call it that, uh, there's going to be a lot of backlash. We can't get it through. And so the Dixiecrats was like, let's call it Minority Set-Aside. So they call it Minority Set-Aside Program, but everybody's benefited from it, except the folks who it was meant to to help. So you have all of these folks coming over here, the Asians, the Indians, the Middle Easterners, and white women who are classified as minorities. And a lot of those folks haven't paid anything into the system. We got folks who've been paying, our people have been paying into the stream, paying taxes for generations. And they come over here and they're programmed for them to help them learn how to navigate the system. And, and the person I was talking to said, well, you know, they're, they're not going to do that. No, they don't have to do that. But they can put a program together to say that in place to say that this is for black folks only, specifically black folks. That has to be done that way because you're going to have other folks trying to jump on the bandwagon like they normally do when we're fighting the fight. Here come these other folks saying, well, I'm a minority, too, or I was discriminated against, too. So we want a piece of that pie. We got to make sure that doesn't happen this time. Well, see, and I think that's a good point because on the one side, as you said, we're not saying either or as far as the Jewish Holocaust survivor. We can right. be both and. Like, we're not saying they shouldn't get theirs so that we get ours because we obviously have just seen a $2.2 trillion stimulus that was put in place. And effectively, who did that money come from, per se? You know, that's the other thing that tends to happen is that white people tend to believe that for whatever reason, that reparations for us means taking something from them. And as I said earlier, we're saying, no, the government owes this because the government was complicit in fostering a racist system that always even extended even to the lynchings, that, you know, that there were no anti-lynching laws, and therefore there were lots of times where law enforcement people were complicit in that process. I think if you put the, the parameters on it, around being able to trace your heritage back to the slave fields, then once again, that eliminates those others who try to come in and try to claim a piece of it because it's an easy stipulation to put on it. And so those are the kind of things that I think that if you sit down and take the time with these young people, as well as the people who have the historical knowledge, you can define it fairly straightforward because I totally agree with you that you don't want to have another situation where you're you're fooling around with the naming because those individuals who never had any uh, intent of supporting it aren't going to do it anyway. Right. Well, you know, for some people, it may be difficult to actually trace their ancestry back there for some people. But that we shouldn't ignore what has happened since slavery ended either. Jim Crow. Exactly. I mean, a lot of things have happened that still have disenfranchised us. But what I wanted to touch base on is something Scott said. You know, Scott had brought up the Holocaust. And I had a discussion today where a young sister was telling his brother that, you know, he was never a slave and that nobody did those things to him. So he had no right in, you know, claiming that and he should get over it. And I brought to her attention that, like, the, the Jews today were not in the Holocaust. Right. You know, the, the money that's been given to Israel, that had nothing to do with the Holocaust. You mentioned your sister telling you to get over it. And that's what a white folks were saying for, for a long time. Hey, y'all need to just get over slavery. You're using that as a crutch. Get over it. But we're not asking everybody else to get over what happened to their ancestors. Nobody's telling the Jews to get over the Holocaust. Nobody's telling the Japanese to get over 
the fact that they was put in pretty much prison camps. Nobody's telling them to get over that. Nobody's telling the uh, the Confederates, which is crazy, is a whole nother conversation who are honoring people who lost the war. We got all these monuments, like 17,000 monuments for people who, nobody's telling them to get over it, but they want us to get over slavery. They want us to get, forget about reparation, just get over it. It's just, it's just mind boggling. To me, that kind of ties into Black Lives Matter. It's like, what happened to you all don't matter. Just get over it. But everybody else, no, we're going to keep these memories alive to make sure it doesn't happen again. And one of the reasons is that the vast majority of Americans, black and white, for some reason, believe that the gap is a lot narrower than it is. That, you know, you've got people basically thinking that the gap is only a $10 gap for every $100 that a white family has, a black family has 90, when the truth is it's it's a $90 gap in that every black family has a median income, $10 for every $100 that that the white families have. And, and once again, it's been the government who's been pushing the lie that once they enacted civil rights laws, that in essence, we have reached a place where it's an even playing field. But you can't have an even playing field when after the Civil War, you know, nobody even got that 40 acres in a mule, except for a short period of time, people in South and North Carolina, and they took that back. So the net of it was that you had basically some 4 million newly freed slaves who had nothing. And having nothing meant that you were basically not even at the starting line. You know, you're not even in the stadium. So that's where they started to enact these things like the Black Codes and Jim Crow, et cetera, to find new ways to enslave us. And so that's another reason why my focus is on the government owes this to us. It's not anything that needs to be taken from anybody else. And, and by the government, I mean the government needs to enforce things on the banks that were formed on the backs of slaves, the insurance companies that were formed on the backs of slaves, and the government's role in supporting a system that continued to keep us economically deprived. I just wanted to add one thing to that, Rod. The universities mm -hmm. that were developed because of slavery and their investment in it, all of the institutions. Well, that's a good point. I was You just said that I was going to say that, you know, there really is not one institution that wasn't touched by slave labor. So when you say the government, Rod, you're exactly right. You know, there, I saw a program on PBS where this guy, he's a historian, and he was talking about where he was showing where they actually had records and they had a plan in Baltimore for red line. They called it red line because they had like a red line around the black neighborhood. They had green line. If you was inside this green line, so it was okay for the bank to loan you money. But if you lived in that red line, you couldn't get any money from the bank for anything. And that's a system that's still in place today. They do it with when you uh, buy insurance for your car. If you're in a predominantly black neighborhood, your premiums are higher because you're in a predominantly black neighborhood for no other reason. And see, and that's that kind of thing, just like you said, because they artificially created those red line districts. The people who live there, they could inflate those areas in terms of the uh, value of those homes there. And that would create wealth for those families who live there because, you know, you have cities like Chicago and that's what ta Coates was writing about, about the fact that you have these red line neighborhoods sitting right next to these green line neighborhoods. And the only thing that's different about them is the people who live there. And so they intentionally meant to impoverish those areas to keep 
the black residents economically deprived. And so if they can do that kind of thing, then they can certainly, because there's no real reason why they actually inflated the green side, except for the fact that the white residents live there. And so the point that we just really want to hold on to out of this is that this is a situation where too many people try to say, when you talk about reparations, that you're looking for handouts from the government. And I say yes, because white supremacy has continued to be subsidized affirmative action. They've had white affirmative action for 401 years. And so if it's our time now to get what we're entitled to, then if that looks like a handout to them, then so be it. Well, that's it for another edition of the Brothers Talk. And we thank you so much for your time and for spending it with us. And before we go, we want to acknowledge our positive black business experience, which comes from one of our followers on Facebook, Betty Tilly, who says that she actually had a positive experience in dealing with a couple of black pharmacies down in Miami. So that's a good thing to hear, particularly when most of the time we hear about us and any kind of pharmaceuticals, it's usually negative. So thank you very much, Betty Tilly, for sending us in that information. And remember, if you want to follow us, you can on Twitter at The Brothers Talk, also The Brothers Talk on Instagram and the Facebook group of the same name. And of course, as always, if you want to go long form and send us your suggestions and questions and comments, you can always reach us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Don't forget to keep supporting black businesses under the Relaunching Black Wall Street Nationwide Initiative. And remember to tell them I'm a Black Wall Street activist. So thanks again. We really appreciate you and we hope you stay safe out there. And remember, as always, let's do better today because that's all we really have.